They say a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush, but the only bush we are talking about is the Kate variety. Yes. Today, on this new month of Connoisseurs on the Record, that's the best I got. That's I all have I never in my life heard that saying before. I don't You've know never where heard a bird you... in the hand is worth two in the bush? Say it again one more time. A bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. You never heard that? Never in my life. Maybe Seriously? I'm not cultured. Maybe that's just me. I don't know. <laughs> no, it's, no, it's just because you, you actually are part of the generation you were born in. <laughs> I am not. I somehow borrow from every generation other than my own. Fair enough. In music taste and everything. I'm going to use that, though, from here on out. I don't know what it means, but it sounds cool, so I'm going to use it. <laughs> well, welcome to Connoisseurs on the Record. This is your first time listening. I am Ian. And I'm Trey. There you go. Took the cue immediately. And we just like talking about music. That's pretty much all that it boils down to. We explore different genres. We explore different years. We talk about them. We dive in track by track and just give our give our take on them, exploring new stuff that we've boldly go where no music listener has gone before, or at least we haven't. All right, Neen, tell us what we are going to be reviewing today. Today, we are going to be, well, as if my terrible shoehorned intro didn't give it away, we are going to be touching base on some Kate Bush, Hounds of Love, She's pretty topical right now with a certain Netflix original series that came that released its fourth season this year. Yep. Um, for those of you that don't know, because if you lived under a, a Patrick Star-sized rock, it is <laughs> <laughs> it's Stranger Things, and Kate Bush was a prominent part of that show for many reasons. If you have not seen the show, I'm going to try not to give it away. But oh my god, you need to watch it, and you need to watch it immediately. Like yeah, I honestly, seen the if show, you just skip to episode four of season four and watch from like the last ten minutes on, and you'll understand exactly what we're talking about. Like honestly, if you just never came back to this episode and just watched Stranger Things instead, I would instead I would fully understand because Stranger Things should be what you're doing. But if you've already seen it, here's some Kate Bush for you. Yes. Now we're doing Hounds of Love. This was a specific request from someone on Twitter by the username of. Panic Revenge Era. When we released our first episode reviewing Death of a Bachelor by Panic at the Disco, uh, we ended up getting a comment from this user who gave some very good insight that we didn't know about Panic at the Disco, very balanced critique, and the fact that they were willing to speak out and share all of this, this fount of knowledge with us was great. And they specifically requested that we do some Kate Bush since she's pretty topical right now. Not to mention the fact that they were willing to listen to the whole podcast and, you know, really dive into it and even tell us things that we could improve as a budding podcast. Someone that's, you know, people that have only been at it for like a month now. I mean, this is what, episode number five? I mean, she gave us helpful critiques and stuff. So, yeah, if you guys ever have comments about the podcast or anything or album suggestions, we'd be quick to accept any critiques and use your album suggestions in future episodes so feel free to you know shout out to us sometime we'd be happy to oblige we're brand new to this we're just we're getting our land legs we're still figuring out what we're doing and the fact that there are people that are willing to listen to our entire episode our first episode we didn't know what the heck we were doing we still don't it was long too we're trying to cut down on the time but yeah we're trying to cut down on each episode length for y'all's sake we know you got things to do so yeah the first one went like over an hour Mm -hmm. but is it panic revenge era is that panic revenge era apparently listen to the whole thing and had thoughts to share so yeah we really appreciate that so thank you and this request is directly from you so shout out to you and i hope you hope you keep listening because we hope to give you some really good content down the line Absolutely. before we dive in and before we talk about this pretty big album like a big deal this album is now I didn't realize how big this album was. To be honest with you, I never. Oh no, realized me either. I thought it was. Spe- it as much as I thought did. it was specifically from 
Stranger Things that it got so big. I had no idea that it had a life of its own prior. But before we dive into it, because there was a lot to dive into, Trey, I think you have a little bit of an announcement for a plan that we have for the the connoisseurs. I do. Okay, so starting on Tuesday, December 6th, we are going to be doing the first annual Connoisseurs Song of the Year Tournament. Now, what that's going to look like, this 2022 Song of the Year Tournament, is going to be all across our socials, on Twitter, Instagram, possibly Facebook. We're not 100% sure yet. But we are going to be doing a tournament-style bracket. Four regions, eight different songs, 32 total songs, eventually narrowing it down to what you guys, our listeners, and our followers on social media decide to be the best song of 2022 i've done this a couple times on my own personal social media and it's been a big hit so i figured why not extend it to a potential connoisseur's audience so slap the connoisseur's label on it and and run with it hopefully it'll sell like hotcakes i really do and i i'm telling you uh there's a lot of good songs this year that came out and i'm excited to see where we can take the tournament this year and how many people can hop on and follow along as it goes so Yes, starting December 6th on our Twitter and Instagram and possibly Facebook, we'll be releasing polls and matchups every day of songs from throughout 2022 that will compete to become the Connoisseurs Voted Best Song of 2022. So 2022 keep an eye out for that. Wasn't, really a, wasn't really a bad year of music, honestly. It was a bad year personally, but it was not a bad year for music. <laughs> I will say that, yes. That's the best way I could describe it. Personal issues aside, the music was the one thing helping you through it. Amen, brother. Amen. <laughs> so, yes, keep an eye out for that. Uh, we'll, we'll be talking about that more in the very near future on our social medias and preparing for launch on December 6th. So, Hounds of Love by Kate Bush. What was your initial thought going into this? Like, what did you have any sort of expectations? I didn't really have too many expectations. I kind of thought Kate Bush was more of a lesser-known artist in the 80s, Kind of a cult will. favorite. Cult favorite, yeah, but I didn't realize that, looking back, her albums, not just this one, but ma- mainly her whole discography, was so critically acclaimed, and she she really rides that fine line between critical acclaim and acclaim from fans as well. You know, yeah. The music that appeals to the audience she's attempting to appeal to, very unique style, while also maintaining high reviews from you know almost every single critic that's ever touched one of her albums, so it's very impressive, and I, I was very surprised when I saw that. And speaking of her acclaim and her critical reviews, the performance of this album was, like you were saying, a lot more impressive than expected. Mm -hmm. She was two times, this album alone, two times platinum in the UK, had raving reviews from critics and fans alike, like you said. It is number 68 on the Rolling Stones' 500 Greatest Albums of All Time. Did not know that. Wow. It it peaked at number one in the UK album charts the year it premiered. And in 2022, I wonder why, it hit number 12 on the Billboard 200, number two on the top rock albums, and number one on top catalog and alternative albums. Wow. So this album has had a life of its own. Absolutely. I was excited when this got requested because... I've been wanting to dive into this album ever since I've been listening to Running Up That Hill on repeat. Yes. And I've been excited. If this, like, if this, if this song is any indication, I'm sure the album is probably going to be incredible. So that was my expectation going into it. Now, that being said, this album... Oh, oh, this album, we've only reviewed one other album so far that has followed this uh, formula. 
of both sides telling different stories or being different parts. So we did Mr. Morale, one side, Big Steppers, the other side for Kendrick Lamar. This one, the first side is Hounds of Love, and the second side is The Ninth Wave. I was one. See, I did not personally know that was the case, but there was a sharp, uh, sharp change in tone, if you will, right around halfway through the album that was very intriguing. And I guess we'll talk about that more as we get to the uh, the middle portion of the album. But yes, there. I guess there are two separate parts of this album. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. So let's get into part one, side one, Hounds of Love, and of course it starts with. You know how much we love strong album openers running up that hill. Yes. Let's have a listen. You know, I love, I love just hearing that because for the rest of my life now, I'll always tie that song with the scene from Stranger Things. Yes, but also to like the summer of 2022 when season four came out and we were all just glued to the TVs waiting for part two of season two or yes. season four to come out. Yeah. I always tie those lyrics and that song to this specific time in my life. And I'm sure a lot of people will do the same, which is very cool. Yeah, but credit to the song itself. Even if I had never watched Stranger Things and I did not have any sort of connection with this song, the song itself by production and by vocals is a masterwork, and I, I know that's a bold word to use, but the production of it is so immersive that it already gives you kind of a goosebumps, chill feeling yes. whenever you listen to it, just from the atmosphere that the song itself has. Totally agree. I love, I love how epic it feels right off the start. You know, you don't usually hear album openers that sound so epic. Usually, those are saved towards the end when it kind. Of, but this song feels like it could be at the end of the album. It sounds like it could wrap all the concepts of the entire album into one it's definitely but not it's one you'd put in the middle no 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 no, no, no. But <laughs> you it, wouldn't want to blow this one in the middle of the album but it's right at the beginning which usually which is kind of surprising um and yeah, i love the build i love the build like near the end part of the point where she's where she's doing the come on angel come on darling mm-hmm. and like the vocals start layering on top of each other and almost has kind of a vocoder vibe to where like it almost sounds like so many voices coming together at once yes it's really good now, one thing about this album is there is a lot of our takes on these albums. Now, we are not critics. We just love listening to music. So a lot of our takes are subjective. That being said, I know Kate Bush actually had certain plans and certain concepts and ideas in mind when she did these songs. But I have a lot of subjective takes on what's going on in this album, which is why I was so excited to talk about it. I would love to hear some of those. Because... Running Up That Hill, A Deal With God. In this song, I think from what Kate Bush said, she's talking about the difference between like a man and a woman. She has a lot of feminist messages in this album. And she's saying if we could just trade places, I get them to swap our places. She's talking to a man because men don't understand women. If we could just swap places, maybe we'd be able to understand each other. Yeah, That's not how I interpret it. I kind of get this vibe of, and this is a lot of people have had this kind of conjecture, conjecture since Kate Bush has been more in the spotlight talking about how it's like, she's talking to a loved one who's in a coma and would like to, and like to trade places. I wish that I could be there. Like you're, you're dying. I wish that I could be in that position again. This is subjective. And that's what, and when we're, is this subjective spoiler alert, is this subjective? 
coming from what you've seen at the end of Stranger Things four is my question. That does is this have a, there's a little sprinkle of that like there is a little sprinkle your... of that causing it. Okay. Very good way to somewhat give it away, but not give it away. Very yeah. good way to word it. Um, kind of. Okay. But I wasn't thinking of Stranger Things when I was listening to it and hearing the way she's wording it and hearing the atmosphere of the song. It really gave me a near death experience vibe, and that idea carried over to the rest of my time listening to the album. Gotcha. So that. That'll play a part into the rest of this um, uh, discussion. But that being said, this song, absolutely incredible. I really don't think you could have had a better album opener. Now, before before we move on to the next song, I got to ask, what's your favorite Stranger Things character? All four seasons. All four seasons? Yeah, anybody. Oh, my gosh. Oh, I... And a brief summary as to why. A brief summary as to why. Yes. I'm going to be jumping all over the place because I have some that I'm able to pick immediately and some that I have to think about. Okay, then maybe not the brief summary as to why because we're limited for time. Maybe just pick a couple characters that you love. Season, well, I know that season three, Hopper and Joyce. Yes. Their dynamic was incredible and I absolutely love them. Season four, I wasn't sure what to think of Eddie, but then I ended up absolutely loving him. I'm trying to find out whether I like when it comes to the new characters, whether I like Eddie or Argyle more. Okay. I think that Eddie has a deeper story and Argyle is just kind of like that stoner comic relief, but he plays his role really well. I man, for season one, it's hard to pick. I don't know. You're putting me on the spot. I wasn't prepared to talk well, about I'm it. I'm personally surprised you didn't say Murray. I figured that would be one. Oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> yes. Mur- Mur- I put Murray, Hopper and Joyce all in the same bubble okay. because they're essentially, I feel like one would not be as incredible as they are without the other. They are yeah. the perfect kind of, Three Stooges team, even though they're not a comedy act like no, per no, se, no, no. but they do have some of the best comedy parts of the show. So yeah, I I like the three of them. It's it's hard for me to pick a favorite yeah, per season. Of course, everyone has everyone has their own part in the show, except for Mike. Give me Eddie Munson, Bob Newby. Oh, Bob the Brain. And Lucas all day long. Those are my top three. See, I, I feel like Lucas is a controversial opinion. I'm not a big Lucas fan. Really? Okay. I'm really not. Uh, I don't think he gets enough screen time personally, at least not in the fourth season, but I really do enjoy his character. In season three and the good middle of season four, he's kind of insufferable, but I feel but I feel like they're meaning to do that, yeah. to kind of like, there's always a resolution to his insufferability. He makes up for it at the end of season four, no question. Oh, absolutely. Performance of so. the... Performance of the series, in my opinion, at the end. He's Lucas. definitely not my least favorite. That honor will always go to Mike. Uh, Mike, uh, Mike uh, you suck, bro. Mike <laughs> Mike is insufferable in season four, if we're being completely honest. And I hope that's not an un- unpopular opinion. I don't think it is. I really don't think Mike it is. Mike and Will both are up there. I don't like either of them in season four. Will has just not been fascinating. He's, no. the, he's the one that stuff always happens to. They're I teasing a certain storyline with him, but they're not doing anything with it. And it just kind of drags his character... Along, it doesn't really give him too much depth, at least in the fourth season, in my opinion. We but got we got to do a Stranger Things B side. We do. Point. That's that's neither we here need nor to there. dig into Stranger Things. Yes. We 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 might explore going beyond music and start talking about movies and shows because anything pop culture we could talk for decades. So Absolutely. Let's let's put a bookmark. Let's do that because we are we are really really slate it down. Stranger Things connoisseurs. We'll we'll make sure that happens. Absolutely. But for well, the time being, let's head on over to. Track number two, Hounds the title Love. track, Hounds of Love. It's in the trees. It's coming. When I was a child, running in the night. 
when I first heard this one, this was not at all what I. It's it's a shift in tone from the first song in the album, which I really yeah. thought was cool. So energetic, just instantaneous energy right off the bat. And what I thought was really cool, it's. I know it's obviously not the first ever sample that anybody's ever taken from. The sample was one of the first things I made a note on. Yeah, that's kind of cool. I didn't take time to research where the sample came from. I really don't care because the sample just in itself just a, fits in so well. A 1957 horror film called Night of the Demon. If you oh were curious. my god! Yes. Look at look at the big branch. He's the one doing the research this I, time. You yeah, me, bro? I, I I was very intrigued because again, this is one of the first, I guess, earliest examples of someone using a clear sample from something non-musical in a song i mean obviously i'm sure it's happened before now mm-hmm. and before 1985 whenever this came out but it was it was very intriguing to me because i gotta look up that, whenever run dmc was really in their prime yeah, because when, maybe that run yeah. dmc was already running and, samples. but you hear so much more of that nowadays it's very cool to hear what that sounded like back in the 80s so and i was very i was very fascinated with the me. drum beat itself i was all i was immediately getting phil collins vibes oh yeah so the drum beat really get and i and i get kind of a and i the Phil Collins comparison ties back into the other vibe I get, especially when she says it's coming in from it's coming to get me from the trees. I kind of get a jungle vibe. I get a Tarzan vibe. Yeah. So that ties into my Phil Collins comparison. Absolutely. But no, then th- I started associating this song as a continuing story because apparently side B is the only con- conceptual suite is what it's called. Okay. The only concept part of the album. This one, the first side is more of a concept album specifically talking about, loosely talking about love in all the songs is what I read. And the second one is the one that's telling more of a story. Thing is, though, I feel like they're both intertwined because I start wondering, oh, who's who's coming out through the trees? Is this like some sort of hallucination or something? When really she's talking about love itself, but my brain wanted to tell a bigger story. So that's... When we were talking about the Eagles, one of the guys from the Eagles ended up saying, and this will be something that we hold on to for the whole rest of the time we do this podcast, that vagar- like vagary is the soul of songwriting. Agreed. And I feel like Kate Bush did that on purpose because the way that I'm interpreting this is way different than how she meant it and way different than other people would interpret it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I feel like this ties into the story. As a songwriter, you have to be able to... To be successful widely, you have to be able to reach people in different walks of life. And so you're right, vagary is vagary is huge when it comes to songwriting because other people from completely different paths have to be able to relate to it and hear your lyrics and be like, understand it in their own subjective sense. You know what I mean? I think that's great. And I think a lot of that album takes that and, and does that beautifully. Um, but that leads us to track three, which I per- was personally one of my favorites, just subject-wise. Which is the big sky. I really enjoyed this one. I love the use of strings, and I that's a recurring theme whenever we talk about music. I love when you incorporate an orchestra in any way. So I love how she's still going with the immersive vibe. But you said you said that you like this song because of the concept, because of the uh, well, subject matter. How'd you interpret this song? Because I didn't really interpret it as too much. Yes, to me, I feel like the Big Sky is sort of a a metaphor for how do you put it? childlike pleasures, if you will, and how it's been a while since I guess Kate Bush, in a sense, has been able to really enjoy like looking at the Big Sky and being a kid and like 
enjoying the things that you enjoyed when you were a kid. You know what I mean? And okay. how she's kind of escaped. She's she's been forced to escape from that kind of stuff and deal with the realities of the real world. And I'm all I'm a, I'm a sucker for concepts like that. I'm a, it's a uh, I mean, we're AJR fans. Yeah, some people call it melodramatic, um, but or I, like immature. But no, but like, no, I think that's cool. And I think it's cool to see how that type of subject matter sounded in songs to anyone, 40 years ago. As to anyone to who doesn't like songwriting like that, who doesn't like the kind of childish looking back at childlike wonder and thinks that that's a immature kind of melodramatic type of songwriting. I'm so happy for you that you have your entire adult life together <laughs> and never look back at simpler times. Yes. I'm so happy that you found that piece because we have not, and I will listen to that music to the day I die. Continue. Arrested development is a great way to put that. A great way to put that sense of feeling like you're stuck as an adult, but you want to be able to enjoy some of the things you enjoyed when you were a kid, that childlike. <laughs> oh, I thought you were talking wonder. about the show for a second no. there. I'm like, no, there's but nothing I was looking, about that show that's relevant to it. I was looking for the term that kind of encapsulated <laughs> that, and that, that's what I came up with. No, it's really bad that I never understood that Arrested Development is the thing I always associated with the show. No. And I've only seen about three episodes of it. i got to pick it back up. I know what you're talking about, but no, it, it's a very... Uh, it's a very good, very good way to describe that concept. That's why I love that subject matter specifically. And sound-wise... For the song, yeah. I absolutely love. Like it's kind, of, it's a head bopper. It something that I love about this album is first three songs in, you can tell they're part of the same album because they're all produced very similarly. Her vocals have the same kind of production on the same kind of echo, and you can tell they all belong on the album together. It's a very cohesive album. Yes. And so you can tell that she didn't just, I'm going to get this person to produce this one. I'm going to get this person to produce this one. You can tell she had complete creative freedom, which, Inside Baseball, her album before this didn't really get too good of a reception because she was kind of tied down by like producers and whatnot. And so she ended up doing this one, recording this at her house okay. in her home studio. And that's how she was able to have that creative freedom to do some very different and, dare I say, some wacky things in this album. Which is why it has a more cohesive sound, because she was the one in charge and had her finger on the pulse of it. Okay. I love the choir build up at the end, and really, she's like really getting fired up near the end of the song. Yes, absolutely. So I, I don't know. It's just very well put together. I noticed that in that increase in intensity in a lot of the songs towards on this album, even running up the hill at the beginning, so much more intense and loose vocally because of the desperation in her voice towards the end of the song, which I love. Um, and then I'll take us to. Song number four, which is an interesting one. That's Mother Stands for Comfort. So you're talking about from track one to track two, kind of a tonal shift. Nothing compared to the, to the tonal shift between track three and four. Agreed. Like... What was your interpretation of this? A lot of these songs, like, you know how I say I have a cohesive story in my head? Some of them, you know, I kind of wonder, like, is this song from a happy or sad perspective? Is this song, like, part of a cohesive story? Is this from Kate's point of view or someone else's point of view? Like, what was your take on it? I think this song clearly has to be from someone else's point of view. Unless Kate Bush is secretly an actual murderer. Which I don't think is the case. <laughs> so this one's got to be from someone else's point Allegedly. of view. Yeah, but it's 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 a uh, it's a good testament to the protective like nature of moms in general, which I think is cool, um, or parents in general for that matter. Yeah, how no matter what, like 
they're going to care for and support their kids. And this is a very, very intense interpretation of that concept. But I definitely, I definitely enjoyed the, it's not my favorite sonically, I guess sound wise. It's not, it's not one of the ones I'll put on repeat, but I do appreciate the, the, the meaning of the lyricism. No, it, it had its spot in the album. Yeah. Like I'm, th- there are a lot of songs that I come across in albums that we review where I don't care so much for the song on its own. Like it wouldn't be one that I go to, like you said, but in the grand scheme of an entire work of an entire album, I appreciate it more because I have, you know, it's all part of one big idea, one big work yeah. and being able to hear it cohesively with everything else really makes me appreciate it more. That's kind of how I feel about this one. It's definitely a, a different kind of song. You can tell that Kate Bush was really trying to break the mold and was really kind of doing her own thing, which is why I rank her way more as alternative than I would rock or pop. It's, it's, she kind of has her own genre going with this album. I think she was in her own lane before it was cool to be in your own lane. You know what I mean? Which was, right. Which is, which is a good, which is really cool to look back at and and hear what alternative, if you will, sounded like in 1985. You know, um, and an odd little synthetic sound at the end of the, at the end of the song. You notice that? I did notice an that. odd little kind of synth synth pop, and then it's done. I'm like, oh well, okay. I guess I guess that's. I don't know. I caused a little bit of discomfort at the end of the song. I feel like that was intentional to kind of you know catch you off guard and be like oh i was already uneasy throughout this whole song and then you just have the little yeah and like oh okay i guess we're done <laughs> and then we get the next song which is cloud busting you like my drum beat to running up that hill um i love again love the strings like she was really good at using synthetic sounds like with strings and cellos and whatnot um i actually did a little bit of research on here for one it's fascinating that she does a song about mothers and a song about a father side by side and it was good to know that this song is actually based on a true story that she heard not her own personal life which is good because I would hate for my father to be a criminal. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. And I, I, um, so is it, is it a, is it a story or like what, where did this, where did this concept originate from? Like, was it a real life something she heard about in something called the news book or of a book? Dreams. Was it a book? It was called book of dreams by okay. Peter Reich. Okay. Based on true events from Reich's childhood with his father, um, the controversial psychoanalyst Wilhelm Reich who was eventually arrested and died in prison. So interesting a story, you know, like a pretty well-known story, I guess. But I mean, I, was, I obviously didn't know it, but no, it's comforting to know that she wasn't actually going through that stuff because the whole time I was listening to it without knowing the context, I was thinking, poor Kate, <laughs> like the, 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 She's the had uh, a traumatic childhood. To say I know. The very least. I know. That's what I was thinking. I'm like a super, like kind of depressing song about a mother immediately followed by a criminal dad i'm like geez she just she just can't catch a break but thankfully it's not her story but this is still a great story nonetheless this is one of the songs where i think the strings in this album really come out and really play a huge role i think it's a in my opinion one of the best most pleasant sounding songs on the whole album i don't know there's no fancy way to describe that it just sounds it's really beautiful is the best way i could put it 
And what plays into my concept of hearing this as a cohesive story, how it ends saying, we've been cloud busting, daddy, your son's coming home. When your son's coming out, but son, S-O-N, your son's coming out and then has a train steam, like a steam whistle. And then it ends. And I'm like, what's, what story is being told here? Like this must be ending this way for a reason. I love how Kate leaves so many open ends. Like, it sometimes makes you think, is she just adding these sounds for no reason to get people to speculate? Or yeah. is there a story that we're not being told? I, I have a funny feeling that it's the latter. I think that some artists are... Some artists make music that is so... So beautifully difficult to comprehend. And I think she's one of those. And I guess this next song leads us to the end of the first part of the album this the first this, half of the album i guess uh, cloud busting is the end of hounds of love okay so, so this that's next how song the first one ends the... so this next one starts the ninth wave okay gotcha so, so to so recap side one the way that i interpreted it is like running up that hill is like losing a love like hounds of love is i don't know it's hard to unpack because they're probably maybe there isn't a cohesive story i was having trouble kind of getting a hold of it but then obviously you have the the mother, the uh, uh, depressing mother story, the criminal dad, and it all kind of ties together. But the whole concept that Kate Bush had was loosely attaching all of them with the concept of love. Yeah. Which gets the, that, that was going to be a super nerdy joke. I'm just going to cut that part out. Okay. <laughs> I was going to reference it to, ugh, crap, I'll keep it in, whatever. Um, the uh, Sega game, the old 90s Sega game, Jet Set Radio. They have a super awesome sample-based kind of funky uh, 90s rap soundtrack. Oh, wait, no, Jet Set Radio Future, the sequel. Kind of an electronic soundtrack. And one and the one of the main songs of it is sample-based. Understand, understand the concept of love. Well, for the three people in the world that understood that joke, they thought that was hilarious. I will say that. The three people that understood that intensely... Unique reference. They thought that was hilarious. I'm cutting it out. I'm not cutting it out. You know what? Don't cut it out. I thought it was... It, it, it's good. Go keep it's it staying in. in. Keep it in. Side two. That's what she said. <laughs> Damn you. The ninth wave. And and dream of sleep. Let's let's just get into it. Okay. Little When I first heard this, for one, beautiful song. For two, re-listening to it after knowing what the concept is for this side. You know what? Before I actually bring that up, what was your take on this? What did you get from this song? To be honest, it just sounds to me... Well, one thing I love is that how this is the most... So far, at least, on the album. This is the most serene, like peaceful it almost feels like you're you're floating listening to this one which i like it's way less intense than the opening part of the album and it's way less and we'll get to it way less spooky if you will than the ending of the album it to be to be completely honest if this song ended the album i think it would be perfect but i just love the what's a good word for 
I guess serene is the perfect word. The, ser- yeah. the serenity of this song is, is, is just... Oh, yeah. It, it, it encapsulates... It, it, it and the fact that it's you. called And Dream of Sleep, it feels like a lullaby. It could you put know? you to sleep, you know? Yeah. And not in a bad way. It sounds bad saying a song could put you to sleep, but in a good way, it can really... It can, it can lull you, you know what I mean? Now, from what Kate Bush has said about this side of it, allow me to kind of direct your brain into how to consume this next part of the album. Because the whole entire concept of the ninth wave, it is a dark tale of a woman lost at sea, and she's entering a dream sequence as she awaits rescue. And now that you... And and after listening to it again before talking about it, I catch little light shining. Little light will guide them to me. If they um, if they find me racing white horses, they'll not mistake me for a buoy. Let me be weak. Let me sleep and and dream of sheep or whatever. And she's basically talking about. I'm thinking little light will guide them to me. Like she has, I'd assume it's like a flare or something. But either way, she's in distress, but she's too weak to really do anything. And she literally says, "Will guide them to me." In the beginning, it feels like there's literally a whole entire different world she's telling the story from throughout this whole album, which is which is really cool. But and, I, I, I enjoyed this one a lot. And this song ends with kind of ground control, a kind of a ground control radio sound, which is the people looking for her. And it transitions right into the next song, correct? Transitions right into Under Ice. Not to be mistaken with Trapped Under Ice by Metallica. Completely different song, but similar concept. Certainly the strangest song that's come up so far. This is where you can really, 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 really see her experimentation coming out. And as you examine the lyrics, not to keep diving into the lyrics over and over, but just just to drive the point home of her concept, it's wonderful, the river is frozen over, not a soul on the ice, spitting snow, to drive home the fact that she's stuck in a very cold, like, frozen lake. And I love how it's staying true to the influence of the strings on the beginning of the album, just in a much darker and creepier tone as and, we get to the as we get to the And the, the end. vocals yes. are following yeah. every time she talks. Jun, 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 jun. The, the strings are, like, in unison with what she's doing. The strings and her are singing at the same time, which is a very interesting concept. And honestly, throughout the rest of this album, it's it's... It's harder to analyze, if you will, if you haven't really listened to Kate Bush before, I feel like. It's one of those things you just have to appreciate the storytelling and the and the change of the change of pace as you get through the album. I think it's very I don't know if I've ever heard a complete tonal shift like this one from the beginning of the album to the end. Um from any other artist before. I mean it's just a completely different sound, a completely different album which you get past track five or six which i think is you don't get much of that these days even with kendrick's album we talked about that one yeah there wasn't a total shift in the way the album sounded it was just telling a different story this is telling a different story while also completely changing everything that you've heard from you know the first 20 minutes of the album you almost i would describe it as what it would sound like going from heaven to hell Mm -hmm. is the best way i could put it which is it's a cool concept but it's it's not something I've heard before, which I think is very, which I really liked about this album. And you can tell you get you catch wind that she's trying to tell a story 
in the end of it when she's saying again under the ice moving under ice and then she says trying to get out of the cold water and you hear in the back and you hear her in the background it's me you hear it's me twice and someone help them so you can tell there's a story being told and it continues in the next song waking the witch which uh <laughs> this is the one i've been excited about me too <laughs> For all the praises we sang about Emperor's New Clothes, step aside. Because I get the same kind of vibe that I got from Panic's Emperor's New Clothes that I get from this. But it's like, it's not painting a catchy, fun picture of hell. It honestly has a demonic feel to it. More so than any heavy metal, black metal song ever could. Kind of scared me when I first listened to it. Not gonna lie, it's a very jarring song, and especially the the part that creeps me out the most is you hear the people talking like, "Oh, speak to me, speak to me," but it's like uh, it's cutting out when they're talking, and I'm like, "That is even when she's talking, it's like that." Yeah, and Kate Bush said the concept of this waking the witch was like another feminist message of she didn't like how sexist the term of a witch hunt was back in the day. And the deep voice is supposed to be like, you know, the jury calling her guilty from the witch hunt. But, again, great concept. Wonderful job, Kate Bush. Not what I'm getting from it. No. I get the vibe of she has been in this water and in this ice for too long. She is on death's doorstep. And she's about to reach her final judgment. And this is the kind of... that She's on the side of the coin she don't want to be on. She's on the... I'm getting a hellfire and brimstone... <laughs> damnation kind of vibe and it honestly if it's enough to make anybody repent if you yeah. if you no, oh god this is what it's like <laughs> and then i guess that leads us into a little a very different a bit of a bit of a change a bit of it lightens up a little bit with this one not concept wise but sound wise in watching watching you without, you me. without me yeah you watch the clock I wish every single album that I ever listened to is as atmospheric as this one is from front to back. Yeah, I really don't mean it in a negative way, but could like this album not put you to sleep in a sense i mean i that sounds so bad because i remember when well, I there's first... bad versions of putting you to no, sleep yeah, this yeah, one yeah, is yeah. just it's so serene is the best word that you have that you use i remember when evolve by imagine dragons came out i know that's a weird band to bring up <laughs> on a music review because first of all i thought that was their last good album i thought that was their last decent album it came out in 2017 and i told my friend i was like i love this it could literally put me to sleep and he's like that sounds horrible what do you mean by that it could put you to sleep but that doesn't necessarily have to have a negative connotation if you're listening to music and it can lull you to sleep. This is one of those albums where I think it could totally lull you to sleep, would wake you up in a cold sweat whenever you heard like uh, track eight every now and then. But songs like this, you can just 
You can you can you can drift away too. Is a good way to put if it. If you were to play this song on its own, absolutely, you could drift away from yeah. it. I was so caught up in the concept of the album, especially after Waking the Witch. Yeah, I was sucked in, and I'm like, okay, <laughs> where are we going from here? And for this song to have such a tonal contrast from the previous song, I'm like, okay, there's a reason for it. And the vibe I get is almost like you know how she was just finished. Um, I get the vibe of she was about to get her final judgment on the bad side, and it ends up not being that way. She ends up getting away from that, especially after I hear that voice say, damn you woman in the last song. It's yes. almost like, nope, this isn't where you're going. And now this is, I get an out of body experience. It's almost like she's in familiar places as a ghost and seeing other people saying, there's no in here. You can't see me. I'm here. You can't see me. Let me in and stuff like that. And it's just a very haunting sound. So that's how I see her as, a ghost walking around. She's like, and then you hear the creepy cutting out voice again. Talk to me, talk to me as if like she's in a coma. She won't wake up. She's in kind of a ghostly trance phase and people are still trying to wake her up. No, so. what was this half of the album called again? You, the ninth name? wave. The ninth wave. Okay. Interesting. Really fascinating name for it. Like, cause it leaves more questions than answers. Just like most con- of this. I was album. trying to connect and see if there's like a way that connects to the, the sound and message of this part of the album, but I can't really put my finger on one at the moment. However, it does take a weird change, a weird turn, if you will, on the next song, which is a very, a very, a very Celtic turn, if you will, on Jig of Life. I was about to say, weird turn is not the proper word. I think fantastic turn oh, yeah, is yeah. the best way to describe weirdly, this weirdly song. Weirdly fantastic. Never, never say goodbye. Something I haven't been able to share. This is something I wanted to mention in a future episode, but no better time than the present. One of my music guilty pleasures, and I feel like it's me growing up taking music classes and being in choir for so many, so many years of my life. I am in love with Celtic music. Really? You wouldn't think it by looking at me, but I absolutely love anything Irish and Celtic. I love um, uh, the High Kings. I love all these Irish drinking songs, um, the Rocky Road to Dublin. I love songs like that. And so as soon as I was hearing this Celtic sound, and I immediately wanted to like break into a river dance, even though I don't know how to. I immediately wanted to because I'm like, yes, this is speaking to me. <laughs> For that reason, I think this might be my favorite on the album. Okay. Yeah, I, know that, I know that's very bold on an album that also has Running Up That Hill and every song that followed, but Jig of Life is just... I loved it. It played to all of the things that my heart desires. It was a banger, if you will. Banger after banger. <laughs> oh, what a perfect fit. way to I do know. it. Yeah, for not yo. Doesn't that fit? <laughs> insert, insert sound, insert Seamus clip here. Banger after banger after banger after banger. But yeah, I was very surprised when I heard that. I was, this was not. I expected it to just continue on the trend of uh, what we'd been hearing for like the last three or so songs, but. But I feel I, like it continues on the trend of the story that I'm kind of picking up on. It was cool. Because we had the satanic kind of devil sounding song. We had the ghost thing of like, the way I see it is you have the heaven song. Uh, you have the hell song in in the witch one. you Waking the witch. You have the heaven song in Jig of Life. And the one in between is like the purgatory. Yes. Because this one, especially the man's voice that happens at the end starts really playing into like life and coming forth and everything. I feel like that's the voice of God. Yeah. So 
that's the concept that I get. Not sure if that's what she meant. Again, I need to stress this. All of our opinions are subjective. We are not critics by any by any stretch of the word. This is just what I picked up on. And I really picked up on a heaven and hell and out of body experience type of vibe for That's kind of what I honestly throughout the whole album I've been I've been picturing is a heaven and hell type of contrast, which I think is cool how she's able to continue that same story and convey that same idea throughout completely different sounds as it shifts throughout the entire album. And that brings us to 11. We're almost at the end here. There's only 12 songs on the album. Hello Earth. One of my favorite ones conceptually. I'll let you start with this one, bro. Okay, so this is interesting. And this is something I just discovered, but this is apparently supposed to be the song that represents the last of the drowning woman's strength leaving her body. Mm-hmm. So this is like a sayonara, if you will, or a, a farewell to to life, which I guess the concept of Hello Earth, and you have the NASA guy in the beginning with the speaking at the beginning of the song. Because think of how it, cool. it progresses, because we were talking about... What was the what was the name of the one before Jig of Life? I'm already losing. What, watching you without me. Yes. She has such fascinating titles. It's hard to keep up with all of them. But watching you without me, you have the concept of someone in a familiar room around familiar people, but being a ghost and they can't see her. She's kind of just a fly on the wall outside of her own body, outside of her own life. And now she's in outer space. So she's gone beyond that earthly threshold, and now she's leaving. You know, into She's ascending to something. Ascending to new horizons, wherever that may be. And I love what you were talking about. This ties back to early on. We were talking early on. What, what what song were you talking about? About kind of the um, childlike wonder. Was that Hounds of Love? No, that was not Hounds of Love. That was the Big Sky. The Big Sky. The Big Sky. Yes. This is where I caught that more because she says she's in space and the concept imagine how great of a songwriter you had to be for the concept of she's so high above earth she can hold her thumb up and close one of her eyes and she can blot it out and she says peekaboo little earth yeah. it's such a chi- it's like childlike wonder in the way that she's describing it it's almost like a child is singing it she's reverting back to her childlike wonder as she's nearing as she's it's nearing bringing such end. a huge concept down to earth which is really cool and as that album wraps up and you get to the end of her story this drowning woman's story, it concludes with the morning fog. I love you better this song is a perfect way to tie up the concept. Because I don't think she could be any more on the nose with the lyrics. She says, begin to bleed, begin to breathe, begin to speak. Um, I'm being born again. I'm falling into the sweet morning fog. And I love you better now. I'll tell my father. I'll tell my loved ones. I'll tell my brother how much I love them. Like, you can tell that she, this is it. This is the end for her. But it's not a somber end. It has kind of a ghostly feel to it. Kind of an otherworldly kind of spiritual feel. But you can feel she's at peace. Apparently... And again, this is something I've just discovered. We, we, we learn on the fly here at Connoisseurs on the Record. <laughs> Apparently, Kate Bush has actually stated that her character, 
throughout the ninth wave does not actually die. She survives. I was wondering that. And that when she's talking about when, being born again, she's not physically being born again. See, I was... Oh. It's, it's coming to this realization of there's a lot to appreciate in life. There's things she's missed out on. Well, loving, you know, loving her family and that kind of stuff. It's, it's, it's more of a metaphorical rebirth. Talking about on the fly, because as I was listening to this album... I interpreted it as, is she alive, is she dead? I wasn't able to tell, but I was leaning more alive. But just since we've been talking, I just flipped to the other side. But I had no idea, because when I was thinking the lyric of, one of the main lyrics of, I love you better now. Talking about how, oh, well now that I just almost died, I take life, life means so much more to me now. So that's the concept I that's the vibe I originally got. So I'm glad you looked that up because I was about to just completely misinterpret. Well, a lot of fans are on your side about thinking that her character does die. It's apparently pretty controversial. But you see how open ended it is. Even though Kate Bush has literally come out and said the character does not die. Like no, yes she yes yes she dies. It's like no no. Please, how does she know what do you what does she write it exactly? But no, it's 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 clear that that's a very reasonable way to interpret the album and interpret the last song. But I do like the way it includes. It's not my. Fa- I wish it would have been. I'm not one to say that songs need to be drawn out longer usually, but it is a little short for an album conclusion. It does feel kind of abrupt towards the end. I think she says everything she needs to say, but I'm just a sucker for longer album uh, outros, if you will. And so two minutes and what forty four seconds, something like that. A little short, a little abrupt in my book, but I still think it's two ties minutes thirty five seconds 35 actually. Seconds. So even yes. so even shorter. I still think it ties up the concept of the album pretty well. And I like how the character survives. Because after she life. told such a deep and rich story throughout this entire album, but especially this side, but through the whole album itself, if we're wanting to tie it into side one and side two being a cohesive work. Um, that's the thing. I'm using cohesive a lot. What was the one word you were using uh, for the dream, dreamlike? Serene. Serene. Serene is your word of the day. Uh, cohesive is my word of the day. Okay. But after telling such a rich story, I feel like, you know what? Kind of a more brief ending isn't really that bad of a conclusion it's fair enough because a lot of those songs were drawn out pretty long and a lot of them did did tell a longer story I, th- I think it's I think it's a a perfect way to conclude the message that she was trying to relay throughout the album or throughout the second half of the album at least but that does bring us to the end that means where we, we finished we've officially analyzed and listened to Hounds of Love all the way through. And we have become better because of it. I totally I agree. absolutely... I did not think I was going to adore this album as much as I do. Controversial opinion. I don't actually know. Not controversial. It shouldn't be controversial. I think it's one of my favorite albums now, honestly. Really? And thing is, Kate Bush isn't really like the kind of music that I would usually listen to or seek out. But this album was just such an experience. And it was one of those that I would rank up within kind of the same category as Human Condition by John Billion, which we bring up a lot on this uh, on this show. Of It's one of those albums I'll never be able to, be able to listen to for the first time twice. You okay. know? You hear it for the first time and it gives you such an emotional feeling where you're just like, okay, I don't, I'm never going to be able to duplicate this because I'm experiencing it brand new. Like, the um, conclusion of Human Condition elicited such a reaction from me. If you haven't listened to that album, drop what you're doing and listen to that one, because it's probably mutually our favorite album ever. Agreed. But Hounds of Love gave me a very similar reaction. So, for that, 
I ranked it, and I, I just on the fly have come up with, we are going to rank it out of five big skies. Okay. And I'm ranking it four out of five big skies. Four out of five big skies. I was going to go with the Stranger Things. Uh, oh, crap. It's like, I kind of had one planned. I was going to say Vecna. Oh, I'm so sorry. Vecna I'm... lattes, like that picture where he's sitting there with the Starbucks dressed in his uh, in his Vecna costume. But I like Big Skies, too, so we'll go with the Big Skies. You were going for the memes. I'm I sorry. It's okay. It's okay. I would, pro- I would personally give it three and a quarter is what I would give it. Three and a quarter. Okay. Three I... and a quarter. It's still, like, it's still solid. It's still solid for me. It's just not my personal cup of tea. Um, and that's how I, and honestly, that's how I personally rank albums on the channel. I don't want it to seem like, cause I am far from a music critic. I am far from a music expert. I do. I am a little bit subjective when it comes to my rankings. And since it's not necessarily my cup of tea, when it comes to what I would sit down and listen to that took it down a few notches, but three and a quarter for me is probably a solid place to, to settle and so, so that, that would break. be 7.25 big skies or vecna lattes i don't want to i don't okay. want to step on yours no you're good, so you're good. either one okay for the for Out the memes 10. vecna lattes okay for the concept big skies sure but 7.25 out of 10 that's pretty solid. That's pretty solid. I expected it. To, I expected it to get more. I didn't know. I I want to expect you to be a little more harsher on your. Oh no! And that's just personally. I think it's a beautiful story, and I love storytelling throughout an album that stays consistent. I love how much in her own lane, and how unique the sound and different it was from anything that was being put out back then. This album is, again, just not personally my. Cup of tea, cup like of you said. Tea. Yeah, that's yeah. that's the only. It's not. Real... It's not. It's not really your Vecna latte. It's not yes, your. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It's nothing against the album itself. Just for me personally, that's not something I would sit down and listen to. So that's what I got. That's how I got to my three point two five. Well, Hounds of Love, Kate Bush. Thank you again to Panic Revenge Era for suggesting this. I hope you enjoyed our take on it, and to you. If you like this album, if you're a Kate Bush fan, or if you've never listened to it and you just now listened to it because you were listening with us, tell us what you think. We want to know your opinion. And while you're at it, give us another album recommendation. Because if we could just do an entire show of just fan suggestions, that would be paradise. That would be awesome. So if you can just shoot us some album recommendations, we will get on them and we will have fun diving in and exploring them and listening to them. Stay tuned for next week. Because it's going to get brutal out here. This is Connoisseurs on the Record. And don't forget about the song tournament coming up. Song uh, tournament! December 6th. What? Please, please participate. I freaking love doing this whenever I get the chance. So we'd love do to have Trey. you. Yeah, we'd love if you to do have, it for no one else, do it for Trey. We'd love to have your votes and participation. And I promise it is so much fun. I promise you'll get wrapped up in it. And it'll be a great time for everybody involved. So yes, we'll see you guys Every next day, week. Every day. Five trays suffer from broken hearts <laughs> for not voting in his song tournaments. Please vote, guys. You can make a change. For just a small donation of one vote per song. Just a vote. You can make a difference in the arms of the angel. I'm telling you guys. Away. It will be fun. And there's a lot of good songs this year. We'll have a blast. But we'll see you guys next week. Like Ian said. It's going to get brutal. Going to get brutal out here. Connoisseurs on the record. Catch you later. Catch you later.